I'm all about the good vibes, the good vibes. We bout to have a good time, a good time. Leave my problems all behind, all behind. We living out the good life, the good life, yeah. I ain't gotta worry about a thing. Oh no. Had some obstacles I overcame. Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Kenny Clutch, with another episode on the Clutch Vision Podcast. I have a very, very special guest, and when I say special, I really mean special. I say special all the time, but I really mean special because it's dear to my heart. Um, she is part of the Down Syndrome community. Her daughter is so special. Her name is Nellen. She also has Down Syndrome, Trisomy 21. She is a best-selling author, New York Times bestseller, Miss Kelly Hampton is in the building. What's going on, mama? I'm loving that enthusiastic intro. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? So how's everything going on your side of the world? We're hanging out pretty good. We, our family is. We are healthy. We're breathing. We're, we're doing all right. That's what's up. That's what's up. So I just want to go right into it, you know. So you are a best-selling author. Um, you wrote a book called Bloom. Um, about was it 10 years ago was it uh yep 2012 yeah, 2012 um so about eight about eight years ago uh, yeah eight, eight, i started writing it 10 years ago started writing it 10 years ago and it, and it came out in 2012 so tell us a little bit about the book and um and what inspired you um to write this book sure uh let's see we'll go back to 2010 i was pregnant with my second child i had a daughter and i was pregnant with another girl and life was just everything that I had ever dreamed of was happening and had my house, my family sort of had that little white picket fence, um, checking off all the boxes. And when Nella was born, um, in the hospital, we did not know ahead of time, um, gave birth. And I knew immediately when they placed her in my arms that she had down syndrome and, um, I was, I was devastated. Mm. I um, just, I, the first night, I call it going into a black hole. I cried for seven hours straight. Mm. I thought that everything was going to change. I um, knew I mean, a lot of that was because of ignorance. I knew nothing about Down syndrome. Um, but I just felt like everything came crashing down. Mm. And um processed that grief and obviously you know it's yeah. the best thing that ever happened she changed our family but um about a week after she was born i've always written through hard things i wrote the story of her birth and at that time blogging was still in its beginning stages and i had a, a blog where i wrote about parenting and um my family i'm in florida my family lives in michigan so i you know was basically sharing things for family and a few friends and had a very small readership but shared the story of nell's birth and was very very honest mm -hmm. um about the fact that i was devastated and that i knew that we were going to make the best of this and it was that i fell in love with my child and we were going to go forward and make beauty of it but i was very honest about what those feelings were like when she was yeah. born and so within a week the birth story went viral mm. um going viral back then was a little bit different than it was yeah. now 
and it turned into a book proposal immediately. And the book is basically about that first year and just digging into, it's more about my, my journey of acceptance and digging into what it, why it was that I was devastated and this idea that we have of perfection and what our lives are like and what she really did for us and what I learned through that, that first year. I mean, it was just um, unlearning a lot of things. Um, But it, um, so yeah, it covers uh, pretty much just the story of taking this huge unexpected thing in life and, and finding beauty in it. And um, it's, I, I, it's funny. I'm sure you're, you're in the, your little boy is much younger yeah. than Nella, but I hardly ever think about Down syndrome now when it's just, right. you know, Nella is Nella. Yeah, and, they're, just uh, like, they're, they're, you don't think about it. They're, they're part of your family. They're, they're people, yeah. human beings, you know, you don't. Yeah. It's just people. a very secondary part of who she is. Right. I remember the pediatrician at one of the very first, um, very first appointments I when you're know, taking her in as a newborn I was still in that whole shock and and yeah. uh, grief phase and right. um, the pediatrician said Nella has Down syndrome just like some of my patients have like a peanut allergy or you know asthma it's just something that she has and right. it's just this separate thing and, and her personality is what makes her who she is wow amazing amazing so so tell me like you know when you were you know going through your grief and, and things in that nature like you know, what were some of the other things that kind of like pushed you to to move past it? Like, what were some of the, the things that you did to, in order to, you know, get over that, that type of grief outside of just writing? Sure. I think one of the things was just learning about Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'll be honest, in the very beginning, you know, people would, you know, like, I got you a book about Down syndrome. I had all these resources. Right. And I... First of all, just realized I still have a baby to enjoy. Like I, I didn't dive into the, the books right away. And I think our minds automatically, when something unexpected happens, we do this narrative in our mind. Like I told myself it's going to look different. And I mean, even silly things. I remember like the name that I had picked out. Do I still, do I use that name? Do I send a birth announcement? I'm, these, I'm like embarrassed the fact that I had these things, but it goes to show you how little I knew Right. And once I just took her home and realized everything any mom ever dreams about while you're pregnant, mm-hmm. I still had all this. I had this darling baby who needed me in the middle of the night, who friends were coming over. We still got to celebrate her. And so the very first thing was like, oh, I don't, I don't have to go with this narrative. Like I'm going to write my own narrative. Right. And to realize our mind immediately goes to scarcity, thinking you're not going to be able to do this. It's not and realizing switching that narrative to abundance. Like I still, I tell anytime I get an email from a parent that gets a diagnosis, especially prenatally, um, that I just make that an adverb, prenatal diagnosis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, you just that, make it, yeah. um, Prenatally, I think Look. I made up a word. That Here we go, that's a new word here, y'all. That's a new word. <laughs> I make them up all the time. I tell them the very first thing I say is like, you, especially when they're pregnant, like, go hang up some baby clothes, put the crib up early, look at that. No, you still get all that. You don't know you're nothing's going to be taken away from you. It might look different, but every celebration that you think about and those holidays and those family vacations. And, and we know now in the down syndrome community, even huge things that we thought we know that they might still walk down the aisle. There are people with down syndrome getting married. There's I, we gave a scholarship last year to a, um, uh, 
beautiful young woman in Florida with Down syndrome who drives a car and bought her own car yeah. Yeah. from her job at Chick-fil-A. And so like once I started hearing, I realized like, oh, whatever told me that I had to give up all these things. Exactly. Everything that th those beautiful moments that we dream about, about yeah. having a child and raising a child, exactly. you still get every single one of those with a child with Down syndrome. Exactly. And then you get more, you know? Right. Really quick, do me a favor and just lift your camera up just a little bit so I can see the top of your head. Yes. I think it's so funny. I've done this on many times. This this thing just like slowly yeah, starts so closing. So I'll keep yeah. an eye on it. It's all good. Yeah. So, and, and I, I get it. Like, you know, we, you know, a lot of times and, and even myself, I was ignorant to, you know, um, to Down syndrome, even though I have people in, in my family that have a, a, a special need. Um, I still didn't know anything about Down syndrome. My wife and I, we didn't know nothing about it, right? Um, and the crazy thing about us is that, you know, we found out that we had a 76% chance. We didn't go through with the full test or anything like that. But the one thing during the pregnancy that um, disturbed us the most was the doctor kept trying to get us to abort. And it was just... You know, for my wife. I hear this. I still can't believe this is happening. I hear this from so many people that that is still the suggestion or the assumption that that is what's going right. to happen. Right. And they think that these doctors think that, you know, oh, well, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. And it, listen, I, I don't know about you, but I just believe in a higher power at the end of the day. And whatever, you know, however yeah. the baby comes out, I have to love him or her, you know, unconditionally, period. So yeah. they, they try and put this whole thing on us parents to try and scare us into, you know, their whole abortion industry or whatever the case may be. And I, I'm here to say, like, listen, parents, like, we got Kelly Hampton here. You know, we're here to give you guys the guidance and, and the knowledge. You know, if there is a parent out there right now or if you know somebody that's going through this particular thing right now, listen, like, you don't have to listen to the doctors and when it comes to aborting your child. This is your child for a reason. How many, how many, you know, moms come to you with, with that type of story? A lot. And then I'm so fortunate in that now our diagnosis of course came at birth. So it was okay. a little bit different, but it's still, I think every parent, whether you had a prenatal diagnosis or a birth diagnosis, you always remember the way it was done. And our pediatrician it should have been filmed to be given to every medical resident on how yeah. to do it. Wow. And the way that she told us, she came down and she's, she knelt right down next to me. She was smiling. There was nothing sad about it. And she said, I, I just uh, looked at the baby and she said, Kelly, um, first I want to tell you that she is beautiful yeah. and she's perfect. And she she's said, awesome. there are some features. I think she might have Down syndrome, but she's beautiful and she's perfect. And I want to hold her, you know, it was absolutely beautifully done but um it is really sad and i always go back to the fact that like the progress that we've seen with down syndrome just in the last 20 years yeah. you know so much in uh, of that information it goes to show you the power of a loving parent yes well i think you cut out i think you cut out real quick Unmute. Sorry, for some reason hit mute. Um, so parents were told, you know, put them in an institution. They're not going to walk. They're not going to talk. And this, these were doctors that said this. And it goes to show you the power of a loving parent that said, no, I'm taking my baby home and I'm not going to believe what you're telling me. And we've seen 
over the course of, of 50 years, right. even 20 years, every single, you know, 10 year increment, we are, statistics are changing about changing. what they yeah. are able to do. Right. When you believe that I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to raise the bar and I'm going to raise my child no different. Yes. And, and now that we have supports with therapies that people with Down syndrome are doing so much more now yeah. than they ever, than they ever Absolutely. would. That also, I always like to say that that isn't what gives them their value. You right. know, even if they weren't, there's still so much value in their life. And you know, being in the community, yeah. from the, the number of families and the statistics oh, on yeah. families of people with Down syndrome, the happiness, yes. the, the love, the marriages, the sibling bond, yes. it is the golden so, ticket. So talk, about, so talk about that really quick, where, you know, what a, a, a person that is diagnosed with Down syndrome, how, how do they transform a family? Because I've heard some stories where, you know, there's been, you know, someone with Down syndrome that has completely transformed the family where they may have been in a bad place at some point. And then yeah. here comes this beautiful person with Down syndrome and everything changes, you know? So what, what, what did, what did it do for, for your family in particular? Oh, how long is this? How long is this podcast? Oh, we, um, we, it has done so much for me, for our family. And, and for me personally, being in a position where everything was great. And, and now mind you, I, you know, I have a story of my own, of, of my childhood and hardship, but, yes. but, Everything was, you know, when you have no hardship, no challenge, no nothing to really, no unexpected path, um, there's, it's almost like there's, there's doors that are locked that you'll never get to. Like Nella was, this diagnosis was a key to a door that we realized like there's so much more learning about ourselves. Yeah. Yep. It has made me a happier person. It has made me more compassionate um, to understand any minority group. Right. Advocating for her has given our family so much joy. It's made us get involved in advocacy of other things. And there's something um, not to not to make it, you know, uh, disnified or make it like they're yeah. so precious because we know Down syndrome yeah. people with Down syndrome are regular people. And yes, little kids with Down syndrome do get in trouble, and they right. do, you know, Absolutely. they're not they're not perfect. Right. But there is something unexplainable about the joy yes. and the empathy and the secret lang language of love that everybody wants to be around. And she's sort of the catalyst. She centers our family, my, her brother and sister get to see Nella just knows when somebody's hurting and she's there. She loves people so beautifully. Yes. She is so in tune with, um, what people need. She sees people for who they are and, and being able to love her. And even like at school, we call her, she's like the little mayor of the school. All of her <laughs> friends love her. There is just this language right. of love yeah. that, that makes us so much more aware um, of other people. Like it's just really opened my eyes to different communities and different people and, and how valuable people are. Right. And, um, it, it's just, just That's a cool. joy. She's just a yeah. constant joy when you're going through something and there's hardship. We just, you go around Nella and she immediately uplifts you. That's so, that's so awesome. So like, you know, I know for Christian, uh, we had to do early intervention. So did, did they do yeah. that for you guys as well too? 
They did. And that was another thing I remember when she was born, like just that overwhelming feeling of like, mm-hmm. her life is just going to be a bunch of doctor appointments right, and therapies. Right. And it's like, once you get in the schedule of therapy, you're like, this is awesome. It's, yeah. you know, like they came to our house, we became friends with our therapist. And oh. so for the first three years of her life, yeah. um, and thankfully, uh, because of the work of and, and incredible people that advocated for laws and funding if you have a baby born um in the united states with certain needs you have your speech therapy physical therapy and occupational therapy based on their needs so we had that for three years when she was a baby and then the transfers to the school system and then so and we've done some private therapy but yeah she's had and now she gets speech therapy and occupational therapy at school so we had a lot of support and um yeah, she's, I mean, I, I, so, she talks, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, yeah, go ahead. She talked, I was going to ask about how. Yeah, how- she talks beautifully. She expresses herself. She's, I mean, she does, she's reading. She does great in school. Uh, she's a hard worker. Like so many things that I couldn't picture when she was born. I just thought, I do not know what this yeah. is going to look like. Um, she's amazing. Yeah, so, so let me ask you this though. So now when, when you made the transition, um, from, you know, uh, from the early intervention going into yeah. school system. What was that process like? Because I know, mm. you know for, for me and my me and my wife, you know, we're in that process now where Christian yeah. turned three. So now we don't, he doesn't have the early intervention no more. And then we've been checking out other schools. So, and right now, I'm be honest with you, <laughs> I'm not feeling none of them. So like I, I, they're never good. I know, and it's funny because I would go into a school and just from a vibe, I'd be like, nope, I don't like the vibe. Right, right, right. I'll tell you this thing, and this is where it's helpful. Is I was really terrified Uh um, when I was so my. I think my biggest fear when she was born was school, and all I could think about is like, is she going to get made fun of? Is she going to feel alone? Is she going to be different? And so we ended up. If I were to go back. I would have put her in, in a regular VPK program. We were nervous, so I kept her home. Yeah. And then we ended up doing a private preschool with, you know, the director was the mom of a friend of mine, and I just wanted safety. And then even when it came time for her to go to kindergarten, I was so terrified. And yeah. she was shy. She was a shy kid. Um, that I, I, I did another year of preschool. And looking back, once she got to kindergarten, how Nella has thrived being in a regular school and how she's been embraced. I realized my fear, like I wish I would have just went ahead and sent her that year because it has been the most amazing thing for her socially. She has more friends than any of my kids. Like she's always got people asking for play dates. Wow. So she, so she was able to elevate being around and, and get her motivated because she was around kids you know, just put her in a regular school versus putting her in a school where, you know, um, there are other people that are like her as well. Cause do you think like that, that helps when you're, when, when I don't want to say like more advanced or anything like that, but you know what I mean? Like, I want to say like putting them in a regular school and in regular environment can help them advance levels a lot faster. A hundred percent. The kids push her along. And I know everybody has different opinions on this and there are several different models. There are, some schools that are just for disabilities and depending, I know there's a big range of abilities within down syndrome, 
Um, but I feel both my husband and I feel like she has thrived yeah. being in environments where um, she had typical kids around her. Now what happened was, so she had that for a while. Once we got to regular public school, she started out in a typical kindergarten classroom. Yeah. Eventually when we had her IEP meeting, I think at first when you, you know, the one thing being in a disability community is you get a lot of opinions yes. and you have, there's a lot of people in the Down syndrome community that say, do this, do this, do this. And yeah. so I kept hearing over and over inclusion, 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 whatever you do, you fight for inclusion. And I had that mindset so much that when they first suggested, well, let's do a pull out. We'd like to have her go in the, you know, the, special ed classroom a little bit. At mm. first I was so against it. I was just, you know, and I realized finally I'm fighting for this, not necessarily because of what Nella needs. I was just doing it because that's what people told me to do. So when eventually we did have a little bit of pull out mm. and now we're 50, 50, mm -hmm. it's be it's a beautiful situation because there's something she gets in each classroom wow. in the regular classroom with her typical friends. She, that's important to me because that's the world she's going to live in. Right. I, I want to always, think about what I want for her when she graduates high school. Mm. She's going to work at a job where she's going to need to know what it's like. You know, she needs to, to learn the skills to work in, with, with typical peers. Right. And so that's important. But the one little thing that's really great for her in the special ed classroom is that she has a chance to be the helper mm. instead of always being helped. And, and she's aware, she knows that she can't do the work that her friends do. And, and that is heartbreaking sometimes, but yeah. it's great in the inclusion classroom, there are opportunities for her to shine. And sometimes there's a kid struggling where Nella's the one who comes in and helps and she gets to be the leader and she has that little ego boost. And so that's, so there's really beautiful things about both models of classrooms. And so the 50-50 situation for us has yeah, worked see, out really See, great. I never even heard of the the inclusion part up here in Jersey. So I don't know, maybe yeah. that's something that you know, my wife and I should definitely ask about because I think that's yeah. super, super important to you know have you know our son and, and any kid with Down syndrome being included to help them advance you know, faster. Um, you know, a hundred percent. And this is where there, there's a lot of resources out there, but this yeah. is where I have such a heart for parents that I was a, a teacher many okay. years ago. So I know the system and the school where Anella goes was, was the school where I taught it. So I, I know enough about what to ask and I understand IEP, but there's so many parents, it's overwhelming yeah. to go into that system and not understand the language of IEP and to go in and it's basically like a boardroom table and it's right. you talking about your kid and there's a button. It's so overwhelming. And to remind parents that you're, you are your child's advocate. You can ask for any, like you can ask the questions and, and ask yeah. what, cause they might not tell you everything you yeah. have to ask. Right. Go, you know, prep yourself a little bit with finding some other parents in the community. And now we have these amazing resources online where you can find other parents. And I found people in the Down syndrome community are so generous with right. wanting to help you and, and finding a parent that's a few years ahead of the journey yeah. that can pass on resources and tell you what to ask. And um, I would say if there's anyone ever looking for that, uh, I know so many people yeah. I can just put a call out and match somebody up and there's somebody yeah. out there that will help. That's so, that's so dope. Now I wanted to, to jump into this part here. Like, you know, Christian, you know, he was born with a rare blood disorder um, and many yeah. people with Down syndrome, they're born with maybe heart murmurs or maybe a yeah. or something like something along the lines where there's a medical issue. Did, did Nella have any sure. issues um, when she was born? 
she didn't. And we were wow. very, uh, very, very fortunate. Um, it's funny, and you hear all these different stories. And I, I, some of my friends that had a baby with Down syndrome found out at birth when they had a heart condition or something that, you know, that came because there's a, I haven't looked at the statistics, but back when Nella was born, it was a, like a 50% chance that they also have um, usually an easily fixable um, heart defect or um, they have increased likelihood of yeah. leukemia and there's, you know, several thyroid issues. So uh, some of my friends that I had those, they said it, it was weird. It almost made accepting the diagnosis a little easier because that got pushed. You're more worried about like, will they survive? Will they be okay? Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, she was very fortunate. She's not, she's not had, you know, any issues. She wears glasses. We, you know, she had some yeah. eye issues early on, but other than that, she's been very healthy. And uh, yeah, my heart goes out to all the ones that, and, and most of them, it feels really overwhelming, the heart issues, but I know everyone that I know that had it, once they have their surgery, everything's fine. Everything's fine, right. So tell me yeah, about- Yeah, you guys went through the ringer too with, cause, oh because Christian, you the hospital visits and- Yeah, we were doing, uh, we did three hospital visits a week his first year uh, being born. Um, so oh. they, were, they, were, they, were, they were stabbing him up you know, every, every week, three times a week to check his blood because of the low, the low plate. Yeah. Rate. So you, they found out really early that he had an they, issue. They, he, yeah. He had an issue like when he was first born. Um, so he was born with like somewhere around 15 to 20,000 platelets. It really wasn't a lot. Okay. So then he had to wait 10 days um, in the, in the NICU until that actually rose up uh, past 55 because then once it dropped to, um, the single digits below 10, that's when they get scared and it can mutate into leukemia. So um, okay. eventually, uh, you know, 14 months into his life, that's when it happened where he was, um, he had developed like these, these two rare fevers. Like they weren't like your regular baby teething fevers or anything like that. Yeah. Like, you know, you rarely see a baby get, you know, a fever, like kind of like back to back, like one week and then the next week. Like, yeah. So... He he had um, what you call petechia um, on spots yeah. on, his, on his body. Yep, yeah, that's one of the the. I remember, in fact, Nella had it one time from something, and, and once you're in the Down syndrome community, you do all the research, yep. you immediately panic. Yeah. So our hematologist she suggested that we go over to Chop, get him get him looked at, get a second opinion, and that day that we went to get him checked out, it was my kids. Uh, their last day of school, we were gonna, mm. we were already in Philly, so we were just gonna go over to Dave and Buster's, have some fun, chop it up, because they did really well in school that year. Yeah. And, um, so we thought it was just gonna be like a regular doctor visit, boom, he go ahead and get poked, because we kinda like, that was like our life at that point, like, all right, yeah. we're gonna get his blood work done, and then we're gonna keep it moving. But we ended up staying 32 days in the hospital, you know. Oh my gosh. We found out, and our life like completely changed you know, immediately just like that. Like it was just like a com complete flip where we had our dance studio, we had to shut the dance studio down and go into quarantine, literally. <laughs> and, and so this is baby's second quarantine then. This is our, this is our second quarantine right now. Cause oh my it, gosh. Was, it was literally like everything, everything changed. Um, my kids uh, at the time uh, were 14, nine and, um, in four so you know 
they, my 14 year old, she, you know, she understood um, pretty much and my nine year old at the time, you know, he, he understood too, but my four year old, that was the, that was the one where he always wanted to be there and he couldn't. And it was hard because, you know, our, our source of income was the dance studio. So um, having to go down from six days a week to two days a week, you, you know, it was like, we're losing so much. And then, you know, yeah. that, that are, you know, it doesn't matter if you have Down syndrome or not, but any family that has a child with um, childhood cancer, you know, one in four families, you're, you lose about 40% of your income or more. So mm-hmm. we, we lost about 65% of our income between 2018 oh and 2019. Gosh. Like it was just like a complete disaster right but fortunately you know we have you know we built up our faith you know along the way throughout life and and then we just have like an enormous amount of positivity um yeah. you know, spewing out. not saying that things don't happen in our lives like we're not like the you know always perfect people where there's always a smile on our face no but we know how to yeah. how to when when something does happen we know how to con- take control of the situation and not allow, you know, the negativity to actually build. Right. So, you know, that, that was, that was us. Like we are now in the, the cancer, you know, survivor community or the cancer community period in the syndrome community. So we, 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 and then you you have the financial stuff on top of it. Right. Right. Exactly. So, and now that's getting, you know, back to where we're, we're getting close to where we used to be. You know, yeah. the thing is, is that we don't have the the dance studio anymore. I had to shut it down completely. So, which I'm glad that I did, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. it's just like, you know what? Like, I'm going to just let it go and not continue to fight for it because it's 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 going to cause a strain <clears throat> on our yeah. family, you know, even more, right? So, Absolutely. So, like, you, you've overcome, you know, adversity. You've overcome things in your life. You know, and for those moms and those new parents that are, you know, gearing up for something like this, what advice do you give them to, to stay encouraged? Well, I think you said to just the, the fact whenever there's any sort of challenge, yeah. you know, I can't change this. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And I can, there's two choices. I can go through this sad. Yeah. And of course, it's not that we push, you know, there's, or for me, I, uh, just those little joys along the way. And it was one of the very first things with Nella that was so, uh, that just kind of helped carry me through grief is just focusing on the little things that we have. And it, and it might just be something simple, like focusing in the morning on that cup of coffee and making little rituals. And I still wake up and I light my candle and I do. And then um, for me, creativity is everything, going through any challenge, having some sort of creative output, whether it is writing or to me, for me, photography is just brings me so much joy anytime. And even through this whole 2020 and quarantine and everything that's going on, I realize you can kind of sense when like, I, when your emotions are just like, I can't take it, you know, I am, I'm completely overwhelmed yeah. What always works for me is stopping and doing something creative. It yeah. might be going out. We do sidewalk chalk in our driveway all the time. We've gotten like, we got really fancy with the fancy chalks and I'll go out there and I'll find a picture I'm going to draw and I'll be out there for an hour, but just doing something, contributing something to the world, whether mm-hmm. it's your voice, whether it's your music, whether it's your dancing, your painting, whatever, 
that is, is so healing. And, um, I mean, that, that, that is like my torch going through anything. Yeah. Um, that's a challenge, family support, um, talking about it. I think a lot of us don't want to talk about things or yeah. we don't want to yeah. be a burden or, or there's shame involved, but just yeah. to be honest and that to, to learn to ask for help. Yeah. Um, a combination of many things. And, um, and I was fortunate like you to grow up in a family with faith and it helped so much in the very beginning when, when Ella was born, you know, my parents both showed up, my, my, my sister and brother, everybody was there and just, um, we've always been taught that this Amen. is going to be okay. You're going to go through yeah. this, but it yeah. is going to be okay. Amen. So, so, so tell me about, tell me, tell me about the King in, in your life. How has he been such a, a great support and what were, what were his feelings when, when Nella was born as well too? This is my husband. Yes. Yeah. He <laughs> was amazing. Um, in the very beginning, it, it's funny cause we are completely opposites in our personalities. Yeah. It, it worked really well when I'm high you know, when he needs something, I'm usually high and, and we have different areas where we shine and he's very, very calm, just very even keel. And um, he actually, when I met him, um, he had two boys from a previous marriage. So I got to see him as a father before I ever married him. And that was, he's an incredible father, yeah. um, very in tune with the kids, very loving. And when he was born or when Nella was born, it was like, I'm, I'm completely devastated. He was just like, whatever she has down yeah, there. And he, that was me. And, yeah. It was like, it was so, it was so big deal. And then right. one thing he asked, all he asked, and he knew nothing about it either, but he looked at the pediatrician and he's like, but can we take her home? Like he didn't even know. And as once she said, like, of course you can take her home. Like he didn't know was she going to stay in the hospital was right. And once he was like, Oh, we can take her home. Then I got it. As long as I can get home with my baby. And, um, He's been, and Down syndrome has never been yeah. an issue at all. And he's got an incredible bond with Nella. And yeah, um, yeah he's I just his home. Really you know, I think it's really important that the fathers, you know, who those are the fathers of, of children with special needs that we, you know, that we step up. I'm not saying that not all fathers yeah. are, but more, more times than not, I, I get the emails, I get the stories in my DM a lot where, you know, the father may not be there because they don't understand, yeah. you know, and I think that it's important for us fathers to be there, you know, especially for the mothers, the mothers of our children, period, unconditionally, no matter, yeah. you know, <laughs> what they have, just be there, you, you know, wh whatever issues that you have going on. And, and again, it, it yeah. goes back to ignorance. It goes back to, you know, what we've been taught or how we grew up or anything like that. Yeah. It's important that, you know, that that support is there, especially you know, for the child growing up, because me and Christian, like, we, we get down every day, like, it's like, you know, what I'm saying this is what we do, like, that's our thing, yeah. you know, and now you, you got your dances. Yes, absolutely. We got it. We got to train. We got to train. And that's actually how I've um, we've been able to help him walk. So yeah. when the music turns on, he'll want to get up and he'll want to start dancing. And then he'll see his older brother or his older sister. And as they, they dance as well too. So they'll, he'll, he'll want to copy them. So, but it, it the me, dance is the language of Down syndrome. I've realized like every conference, yes. every day. Yeah. Oh, we and dance 
And they are the first ones on the dance floor and they're the last ones off. The last ones off all the time, man. So like, you know, but I, I want to, I want to jump into some things, some other things and everything real quick. I want to switch gears a little bit. You mentioned mm -hmm. something, you know, uh, earlier on how, you know, Down syndrome kids, you know, can be the minority, right? Yeah. And right now we're dealing with, you know, the current climate that we're mm -hmm. in with, you know, um, social injustice and then the pandemic yeah. that's going on, you know, what are your, what are your, what is your take and what are your views on, you know, how we can push forward um, to getting justice and, and, and for, for people to be treated fairly of, of all different, you know, ethnicities? It's funny. Um, this is one of those things where, where once you love someone mm -hmm. and in a minority group and, and seeing for Nella how many voices it's taken to get her um, equality, how many people come on board, how many people join our fundraisers, how many, and, and yet still so many people can't transfer that and do this for our black community. Yeah. Um, the empathy, I, I, to me, I just, everything through all this and there's and especially being in social media there's a lot going on there's a lot of feelings there are right there's anger there's calling there's all so much fighting and everything happening and for me um i just keep continually go back to my empathy and and especially as a mom of someone with a child to be able to empathize with what we're seeing the grief of the black community to to be a mom and to not know that you're, you're going to send your child out and not know that they're going to be safe to, to think that they might come home because of injustice. Yeah. Um, and to really think about the story. I've thought a lot about, you know, of course, I think so many people say I'm not racist and just how much all, if you grow up white in this country, you have it in you. We have no, you know, to realize our privilege and to think about all the things. And I, this week for me, what it's, it's really made me think about how much more I need to, to talk about with my kids. Mm -hmm. um, and doing this again through, through disability has helped a lot because I think so many, so many parents have said, I don't, you know, we don't see Nellis disabilities. So I don't say anything to my kids because they, they don't see it. And I said, please talk about disability with your kids. Right, right. Kids notice everything. They notice early on. And if you are not talking about it, you think that you're doing my daughter uh, you think that you're doing her a good thing by not mentioning yeah. what you're doing is your child realizes that she's different. And by you not talking about it, they're wondering why no one's talking about it. And now they think it must be something to be ashamed right. of. So again, right. with race, if you are not pointing out that people have different skin colors and that it is not a bad word. And we talk about black skin and brown skin and, um, I've had some conversations with my kids this week that I don't know why I've never had before. I'm talking about, you know, and I, I think we want to shield our kids. We want to protect them. But my kids know, they know George Floyd's name. They know what happened. They know I'm not protecting them from anything because I want them to understand uh, that there's a system that is wrong and that we are going to be part of the system to change it. Amen. Um, and so I'm, you know, I, I just go back, I lead with empathy, I'm listening, and I'm having hard conversations with myself yeah. and with the people around me and to realize how many times that we have stayed quiet because we don't want to rock the boat. Right. And right. with people that we love, people that we yeah. know are good people. And we think to ourselves, um, 
you know, I know they didn't mean it that way, but to yeah. really realize we need to be using our voices to call out racism in every way that we see it, to right. call out privilege, to call out, um, I've, I've been really challenged and it, it's freeing in a way yeah. to, uh, it's uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable right, right now right, right. as white people to realize that so much of this, that we benefit from the system and it is uncomfortable to hear these things, but I'm sitting with a discomfort and right. I'm pushing through it and right. I'm committing to being better right. and to using my voice. And here's where, here's where I love what you just said you know, in dealing with the discomfort, right? Because in reality, you have three kids. It's not like you haven't had any discomfort before, you know, as you delivered them, right? And that's what I use that analogy because I think people, you know, can understand that a little bit better as well too, because yeah, it's uncomfortable to have this type of conversation, but it needs to be had. Why? Because we're supposed to be getting to a better place in this world, right? And for years and years, and my great grandfather was a slave. You know, so I, I understand where, you know, some people may, may not get it, but then, you know, on the other side, I'm like, okay, Kenny, what do you, what can you do? Because now you can, you have this platform and you can use your voice and you can be, you know, even bigger, right? In me, I've been, you know, that guy driving, pulled over for no reason because I got an Audi, right? Like, I, I just can't drive an Audi, you know, like I can't have a nice car. You, and, and I can't go through a nice neighborhood or, you know, even when I was 18 years old, I'm driving down Route 130 where I live. It's 12 o'clock at night. The shop, you, you, we just had, it was the, uh, New Year's Day, going well, New Year's Eve going into New Year's Day. And I get pulled over and a cop pulls me over and tells me to get out of the car. And I'm like, you know, for what? He's like, well, we smell blackberry brandy coming from your vehicle. And I'm like how are you that specific on blackberry brandy you know coming from my vehicle it's january it's cold up here the windows are up your windows are up so i'm confused but at the same time i'm scared because i don't know what it, it mm. was happening you know what i'm saying so it's like okay like can you just do what he says and get out the car because i'm listening to what my father what my mother told me you know cop tell you you know to to uh pulls you over just do what they say. Keep your hands on the wheel. You know, don't make no sudden moves or anything like that. Me personally, I don't think I should have to really live like that, especially if I ain't do nothing wrong. No. And I was really just doing the speed limit, right? And I, I had to get out the car. I'm 18. I don't really know the law that well, right? And that's another problem. Like a lot of a lot of a lot of the teenagers, they don't know the law that well, and and it's not taught in school either. Like nobody's teaching us in school you know, what, what, your, what your rights are and what the law is and what the law says. Because when these kids start driving, when they start, you know, go, going on the road, they're just doing whatever it is that they were taught to do, but they were never taught their rights and they were never taught the actual law. So I'm getting out the car and I go to the back of the trunk. And I'm going to be honest with you, Kelly, like my heart is like pounding at this point. Because there's two, two or three cops on the road. I got one, one pulled up, you know, from the, from the back. One pulled up and right in front, and, and and there's another one that's on the side. And I'm just like, man, you know, what what's going to happen? You yes. know, too many stories too. You know how this, yeah. you know how this ends for a lot of people. You exactly. know, right? What it means? A black right. person gets pulled over. There's a bunch of cops. Yeah. Right. And this is this is 2002, at the time. You know what I'm saying? So, like. He tells me to pop the trunk. I pop the trunk. 
and there was nothing in the trunk. It was clean. Like there was nothing in there. So he asked me where I'm going. I said, I'm just going to my friend's house, you know, just to celebrate because, you know, they just had a, he just had a baby, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just going over to, to go see him and the baby in his New Year's. I'm just going to my friend's house. He asked me what school I go to. I said, I go to Holy Cross High School. So that's when he started to change his tune. So because I go to a private high school, you know, mm. therefore it's okay now. Like, because yeah. I don't, I'm from Willemboro, but I don't go to Willemboro. I go, I go to the white school, you know, down the road, you know what I'm saying, for, you know, because my mom and dad want to put, give me, like, a, a better education, you know what I'm saying, and better opportunities and stuff. So now we change it up. Oh, so he automatically changed his assumption. Right, exactly. So cops are assuming, you know, black kid, 12 o'clock at night, we pulling everybody. We pulling them over. Boom. And that's it. No ticket, no nothing. Just go about your business and, and get there safe. That was it. No apology, no nothing. And that's what, and that's what we deal with. You know what I'm saying? I think that narrative, had, had, that whole thing just has to change, period. Because yeah. we, need, we need to, in my, my personal opinion, I, I really, really believe that policemen need psychological testing, um, you know, more. Like, it, it needs to be more active because you may not be fit to be out in the field protecting the public because you're going through something personally. And you were taught something, you know, at growing up. And it's hard for anybody to unlearn what they've already been taught, right? So we need to unlearn. Just like you were saying in the beginning, you had to unlearn what you were taught about, you know, about Nella. I think that we need yeah. to unlearn, you know, what we've, what we've been taught in, in this world to get to the next step. You know, if you want to elaborate on that. No, yeah, and I just, even what you said about, like, where you're pulled over in neighborhoods, and I'm realizing just constantly now to talk about, talk with my kids about these stereotypes, and when we drive in a place that looks different, and I grew up, too, that you go in a, in a neighborhood, you know, a bad neighborhood, that you lock your door and whatever, and now to dig into why the neighborhood looks that way, and why certain things happen, and to talk about what is happening and and um, with poverty and with a lack of support and in these families where there's no father figure right. and where crime starts and where we right. can help and getting down to the foundation right. of we won't have these problems with right. police we won't have these um, these criminal situations when there's not desperation right. when yeah. they are given what they need when they have mental health support when they have everything. Um, and these, you know, I think racism and, and a lot of these conversations are one of those things where when it gets taught, talked about at the dinner table or at a family, like everyone just wants to shut it down. It makes people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like politics. Yeah. We don't yeah. want... We don't politics, want religion, yeah. race. You know, nah, the main like taboo. <laughs> let's not talk about it. And so we just have avoided talking about it. We've avoided digging into... Um, the history of it. Why? Like digging into the system of racism and really asking ourselves hard questions about how it got this way. Right. Um, so I ju just to, to have the conversations. To that's sit my, with that's my wife. That's my wife going. Oh. <laughs> um, and to be okay with heated conversations. And um, I know I'm learning a ton this week, just the, the education and the, the books I've bought and, and, listening to um 
things I've never asked before and I don't know why, you know, yeah. and, and making sure that my kids are young enough, man. I have, yeah. There's no child too young to start talking about these things. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm learning I, and I'm. Yeah. I had to have that conversation with my kids because, you know, just the other day, you know, I, I freaking broke down over this whole thing. Cause I'm like, yo man, like this is, it's crazy how, you know, these cops at the, at the time they weren't arrested or anything like that for what they did. And it's all on camera on what you're doing. And it's like, listen, man, I get it. There's bad people in the world. I understand no matter what ethnicity you are, there are bad people in, in every ethnicity that there is. Right. But this is a human being at the end of the day. You don't have to, you don't have to treat him how you're treating him. And we've seen it, you know, time and time again, you know, and I, I was born in the eighties and the first time me seeing anything like this was, I think it was like 1991 or 92 with, with the Rodney King beating and seeing that on, on television. Yeah. I'm just like, yo, like, yo, he looks like me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yo, that's, this is, this is crazy. So I feel that, you know, when, when we get to these, these conversations, like my, my, like I was saying, my, my son and my, uh, both of my sons actually, they didn't, they'd never seen me cry before. So I had to actually explain to them why I, I was mm-hmm. crying. And I had to explain to them, this is the, the world that we're, that we live in. Right. But this is the world that, this is what we have to do to change it, right? You don't necessarily, so as, as, as black kids, you don't necessarily have to sit there and be like, this is how white people act. This is how they're going to treat you. This is, you know, because everybody is different at the end of the day. I think for the black community, we need to make sure like, listen, these are the things that have happened and this is what you need to be aware of. But also understand that each person that you come encounter with in life it's not the same as the other person. So some people, everybody is treated or raised differently. So I think for, for black people, like it, we have to always have that in our mind and not pinpoint, oh, because this person's white and then that's it. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't, we can't be that either because that's not solving any problems at all. So I'm telling my boys, this is what happened to dad, okay? Um, this is what I pray doesn't happen to you, right? But if it does, this is how you treat it, right? And you always have to move with a sense of love and discernment. And honestly, I think that is the my main message that I'm driving home on my social media right now. Love and discernment. Because if we can move, if, if those cops had love, empathy, and discernment doing their job, we wouldn't be in the situation right now, you know, or, or anybody rather from 400 years ago, because yeah. we're, we're ignorant where, you know, where we, we are raised the way that we're raised. Right. So we just need to start unlearning that. You agree? A hundred percent. And I think for us and, and for the white community, learning that love requires a lot of action yeah. to say, I love, I love my black friends. I have black friends. That isn't enough. Right. We are being called, we are needed, our voice is needed um, to stand up for injustice. And if we love our, our, our black brothers and sisters and friends, um, love is not having them over for dinner and, and saying, hey, hey, I'm yeah. here. Love is the, 
the bar has been raised. There's a yeah. lot that we have so to, do to do to yeah. speak up for injustice, to join the fight, to donate to, and it, it is, um, we're all tired this week. We're exhausting, but that we yeah. don't get a break. So this don't. is when you, we are in a situation right now where we are needed. And right. um, I, I teach my kids when you are. Thoughts on this. Not to cut you off, but tell me your thoughts on this. So I, I've been, I've been learning some things um, where it's not just the law that needs to be changed. Obviously the law has to be changed, right? But more importantly, the hearts of these people that are prejudiced needs, needs mm. to be changed. You know what I'm saying? Because the law can change all day, but then you're still going to have prejudiced people, right? Does that really solve the, the problem? I, you know, in my personal opinion, I don't think so. So what, what are your thoughts on, you know, changing the heart from the inside out? Because we're looking from the outside in right now. I think a lot, I think we're realizing too on social media, where a lot of us, it's, when you're trying and you, you know, sometimes those people, they don't want to change. They don't. And I think it all goes back to they're they're scared. They're scared that a system that has benefited them is going to change. And that some, and people do crazy things when they're scared, fear, you know, there's so much fear right now, not that, you know, starting with the pandemic and then everything people are scared and you're, you're really seeing the worst of a lot of people. Um, I, you uh, you know, lo love sometimes, I know we, we say that love looks, it's not always roses. And right, right now, loving, right. you know, and, and we can try and I know I'm having conversations and yeah. some of them, especially on social media, when there's, when you don't see a face behind the screen, people have decided what they're going to believe and it does not matter what video you show them, what speech you show them, what you tell them, but they have made up their mind and they're not changing it. And that is when you vote. Yeah. And you, you know, that's when you, you go about it another way. Um, and, and yet continue to love, like you said, it's, it's hard not to have that turn into hate. It right. is very hard. I've been so fired up this week and I, um, just with everything going on, it's hard not to mm. just snap and get angry and just to remind Absolutely. myself to like lead with empathy, lead with empathy and love, Absolutely. even love those people that don't, you know, to always have that empathy. Um, yeah. If you can't change their mind, at least, you know, see it, see yeah. a, uh, see it when we vote. There it is. There, there it is. There it is. So, so let's, so we're running out of, out of time here. I'm enjoying this conversation. I know. But I wanted to, I wanted to ask you this, right? So e even in the state that we're in right now, you being yeah. a mother, you know, just a human being in general, right? And if you had anything to say to, you know, the black community, um, to encourage them, you know, coming from where you come from and learning what you've been learning, you know, and all eyes and ears are on you, you know, what, what words would you say, you know, to, um, to encourage and continue to move forward and what you would do to um, help make the change? I think, I think just like all this week, there's so much love and just a lot. I, I just want to say to I just to that that we love you right. and what I've learned that there's the possibility for change, um, but mostly just the hope. I think this week, and 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 especially with this new age of, of social media, yeah. the 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 education of the young people right now, I feel so hopeful for our future from young brave people, black, white 
that are growing up in a different world where they are not staying quiet. Yeah. They are, feel the freedom to believe differently from their parents and say something. They are showing up at rallies. They are showing up at protests. And to know, to see this and know, I think sometimes, and especially in 2020, it's a scary thing to have kids and be like, oh my God, is this the world that I'm, my children are going to grow up in? Right. And then to see the way that young people are speaking, they're educating themselves, they are not afraid to speak up, they are getting involved in things like we've never seen before, yeah. but there is so much hope. Yeah. And that I am so proud to be a part of it and humbled by how much I don't know and how much I'm learning yeah. and willing to keep learning and willing to be wrong yeah. and that I'm in it for the long haul and that I know I'm going to make mistakes, but um, the joy and freedom that comes from fighting for what you know is right. And we know this, like I said, this started back you know, from, from having Nella and, and being invited into the world of advocacy and realizing this is an honor and it is a joy and it is change. Yeah. It changes your life to have a purpose right. and to help your neighbor. And uh, I just see a lot of hope. I really believe that this next generation of learners and leaders yeah. um, is going to make the world an incredible place. Yeah. I believe that we're going to break some chains. Um, and, and here's here's what I say to everyone that's online that is, um, you know, you're advocating now and you're learning and, and we're growing and yeah, it's uncomfortable, like it is uncomfortable, but um, although like right now it's hype and what we see all the time, yeah. something happens, it's a lot of hype and everybody's all, yeah. listen guys, this is not going to be a one week two week fad, you know, just yeah. a trend for the summer. No, this is an ongoing thing. Like this is going to take a lot of work because hearts need to be changed and they don't change overnight. They don't change in a week. They don't change in a month. This is like some real work that we have to do as people. And it's all, and it's not just online, you know, in your community, where you go, when you go to the supermarket, when you go to the barbershop or the, you know, whatever it is that you do, out there in the world and out there on the street, there's going to be so much more work that needs to be done offline than online. Because online, people are going to read an article or they can see a video, yeah. be inspired for a minute, two minutes or whatever, and then go back to their regular life. But it doesn't, right. it doesn't really change until you actually start encountering people. And I say that, you know, for anybody, I, I just posted a video today on Instagram about the, the gentleman that I, that, you know, he, was cursing at me, a white gentleman, he was cursing at me, gave me the middle finger, this is just last summer. And I'm like 20 feet away from the dude in my in my car, he's on he's on a Harley Davidson. And I'm like, yo, what's up with that? So I pulled up to the guy and you know, he starts going off at me as I rolled the window down and I'm just looking at him, I'm just like, man, like this dude is angry, <laughs> like angry. And after he went off on his whole spiel, I simply said, I loved him because I knew that he needed love. I simply said it like straight to his face. I'm like, listen, dude, I was never gonna hit you. I'm conscious of my brothers and sisters on the road and I love you, man. You know what I'm saying? And if you, if you guys would have seen his face after that, like he just felt like, man, like I just went off on this dude and he just told me that he loved me. And he ended up apologizing right there. That's what I'm talking about, you know, mm -hmm. 
the change that happens just like that within three minutes. You can change a heart within three minutes, you know, or at least get get it started to to change and start yeah. things. Yeah, get really sharing genuine love with someone is the most disarming thing that you can do when you put up your defenses and, and, and the reaction is right. love, you immediately, and, and that is, you know, and this is what we're realizing. We are all on the same team. And if we could yep. do that with each other, the progress we could make. Amen. Amen. I got Kelly Hampton here, guys. Make sure you like comment, subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you share this with your mama, your daddy, your uncle, your auntie, your grandma, your grandpa, your stepdaughter, your stepdad, your stepsister. I don't care who it is. Make sure you share it with somebody. Share it with your dog, your cat. Share it with the pool guy, the lawnmower. I don't care who it is. Share it with somebody because we just dropped some bombs and everything today. Now, Kelly, I got one more thing to do with you before we go. I want to play a game with you. Is that cool? Let's play it. I'm All loving right, that cool. announcer voice, man. You had that. You got that down. Hey, it take, it take a lot of work, a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so check this out. We're going to play a game called In the Clutch. I'm Kenny Clutch, and we're going to play a game called In the Clutch. I tell my, my okay. listeners and my, my guests all the time. I started a, a company called In the Clutch in 2009. In the Clutch is an acronym, I-N-D-A-C-L-U-T-C-H, right? Inspirational dancers creatively linking upon the culture of hip-hop. So that's mm. what In The Clutch stands for. I-N-D-A-C-L-U-T-C-H, Inspirational Dancers Creatively Linking Upon the Culture of Hip Hop. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you a letter, and then you give me a positive word after that letter. Cool? Ooh. So the, the positive yeah. word has to start with that letter. Yes. Okay. Are we ready? Ooh. All right, here we go. C. Okay. C. Uh, compassion. Mm. L. Love. U. Understanding. T. Um, tenderness. Mm. C again. Courage. Mm. H. Happiness. All right, all right. There it is. That's clutch. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I, that's, a, that's some positivity soup. Yes, yes, yes. There it is. That is clutch. Kelly, where can the people get your memoir and where can they find you at? You can find it at any online bookstore. You can, uh, and you can find me, uh, kellyhampton.com, and it's Kelly with an E. Or on Instagram, it's enjoying the small things, so it's at E-T-S. And Kenny, it was an honor yes. to talk to you tonight and to be part of your work and your beautiful family. You are, you're putting a lot of love into the world. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on. Everybody, make sure you like, subscribe, comment below, share this everywhere. Down Syndrome community, make sure you guys share this. I'm going to be looking for those DMs. I'm going to be looking for you guys to post them on, on our stories and your stories. Tag me. Tag Kelly, we're going to repost you guys and let's get everybody involved to get this information out and let's start changing the world to make it a better place for you and for me, RIP Michael Jackson right there. And everybody, once again, it's your boy Kenny Clutch on the Clutch Vision Podcast. And like we always say, when we change the mind, we change the game. Yesterday is gone. Tomorrow will worry about itself. And today is all we have. And if today is all you have, make sure you impact today the best way you can. It's your boy Kenny Clutch from the Clutch Vision Podcast. I'll see y'all next time. Hey.